This episode of the Check Out This Record podcast is brought to you by GuitarExclusive.com. Visit now for buying guides, reviews, and more. GuitarExclusive.com. Fellas, the kittens sure are out tonight, aren't they? Welcome to the Rock and Roll Podcast. Check out this record. My name is Mark, and with me, as always, is my pal and yours, Mr. Frankie D. Hey, Mark. Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us on this rock and roll adventure. Remember, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you find fine podcasts. But don't forget to peep us out on YouTube and you can see what the uh, the goodness looks like, if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's right. New episodes, they drip to the drop directly to your ears every Friday. And of course, we do this for all of your listening pleasure. So what the heck is Check Out This Record? Great question. Thanks for asking. This is the podcast where Frank and I recommend albums to each other to check out and give them a thorough review. We <laughs> will also have a wide variety of musical discussions, like in our Spotlight series, where we'll dig into a band's catalog and see what comes out the other side. And of course, in our Versus series, we're going to pit two, sometimes three albums against each other, Mark. And mm-hmm. as everyone knows, they duke it out for this thing we call Total Stereo Domination. That one was pretty cool, dude. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So if social media is your thing, be sure to check us out on Instagram and our Facebook group where we like to drop additional content. Well, hopefully leaving you wanting more of you know Frank's musical goodness and whatever random nonsense and memes I can find. <laughs> That's right. Don't forget to pop over to the world famous tube of the U and you can watch us make silly faces and all that stuff at each other while we try to put this show together again just for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know that this is just for you? That's all we're doing this for. That's all. If you've got a record you want us to check out, you uh, just drop us a line or a comment wherever you found us. Uh, while you're at it, like, subscribe, give us a rating, a review, you know, some of that nice stuff. Anyways, think. so I'm going to say this, Frank. We're putting on our leather jackets, slicking back our hair because it's... <laughs> Is awesome because we're gonna dive into social distortion live at the Roxy. Yeah. Uh, now you were the primary force that got me into old social D, Mister Frankie D. Oh, but how did you discover them? And I say that like, oh, I forgot that I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now I remember. I think I remember. We were at a show, and I and I think one of their songs came on prior to the show, and and uh, we spoke about it. Anyway, so funny story. Funny to me, at least I was about 16 or 17. And of course, I was listening to the local rock station and on comes I was wrong. And I'm like, okay, this is, you know, another alternative band that we could check out and, you know, get into. But then there was this girl that I kind of liked at work and she was older and she was a punk rocker and she made me a mixtape. With Hello. a very thorough description of each track. So so mm. mad props uh, with all sorts of goodness, like mm-hmm. Swinging Gutters. First song on there was Teenage Genocide, Swinging Gutters. Nice. Stray Cats, um, a favorite of uh, the Miami area, The Eat. The Eat, mm. Nixon's blo- uh, binoculars were on there. And 
social D's cold feelings. Now, like most, I, I, w- I was hooked. And then I sought after uh, the live record. And the funny part of that story is uh, this girl was from Ohio. Uh, and the last name is the same name as my wife's cousin's mother's side of the family, also from that same area in Ohio. So go figure. Wacky. Wack- mm-hmm. Wacky, Mark. So that was my mm-hmm. that was my intro to social D. Wow. Well, as of this recording here in May 2021, uh, Social Distortion has released seven studio albums, one live, which we'll be covering tonight, a live DVD I've made Frank watch uh, at nauseum, uh, and two comps, uh, one greatest hits and the other of previously released, uh, previously unreleased material, excuse me, from quote unquote, the early days. Uh, live at the Roxy was recorded April 7th through the 9th of 1998 and released in June 30th of that same year on time bomb recordings Mm. Uh, this would be the last record for this lineup as guitarist dennis darnell uh had uh, unfortunately passed away um due to some complications with his heart or uh, i've heard a few different things and did you say in 2000 unfortunately uh dennis darnell left us and that's that's a bummer um he's just 38 years old dude uh we're both older than him and he was way more successful than us Anyways, uh, while, <laughs> while the band is rumored to be recording uh, or, or having recorded their eighth studio album, uh, Dennis was able to play on all five of the Social Distortion albums previous to this recording. So it does serve as a lovely tribute to him and his work with the band. Uh, before we get into the track by track uh, for Live at the Roxy, Frank, uh, is there anything you'd like to say about the guitar stylings of Dennis Darnell and his work with Social Distortion uh, that sticks out to you? Sure, but we might need to do a quick change and, and do a therapy session now that you mentioned he was success, more successful than us. <laughs> well, than me, than me, at least. Frank <laughs> can keep a good job, I can't. Oh, there you go, there you go. Well, so, so listen, Social D is one of those bands where the lead singer is also the lead guitar player. Uh, so Dennis originally actually played bass and Ness taught him how to play guitar, hence why he probably resided in the rhythm role. However... That is not to diminish the importance of the sound. Uh, Ness's playing, I feel, is a little unique due to there is uh, some lack of mobility uh, in the ring finger uh, of his fretting hands. So that does give uh, Ness some limitations. So to me, Dennis's playing is a great compliment and provided that backbone rhythm section and jangle of the band. Uh, so I, I feel he was an important cog to the band sound for sure. Yeah, well said. Uh, okay, let's chug a few beers real quick in this parking lot and sneak into the show. It's time for the track by track. Woo! Yeah. So uh, track one, uh, you know, uh, Mike opens up with a banger here. We get Story of My Life off wow. of the self-titled album, Social Distortion. Uh, we start off with a little chatter uh, from the merch dude in front of the show talking some smack. Uh, and Mike Ness welcomes all the, the kittens and introduces the songs. Uh, the levels are good. All the instruments are crisp and clear as Mike Ness gives us his, you know, kind of salad day story about being there. Uh, I love this one as an opener, really setting the tone for the night uh, that's coming at us. What do you think, Frank? Yeah, so perfect opener. Absolutely. I mean, in looking now 20 years past this album or 20 more than 20 years it's like their mm-hmm. biggest song so they're opening with like their biggest song and if you're new to the band this gets you right into them right away now mm-hmm. the album version's a tad different you actually get more of a like a rockabilly feel and the solo is a little longer however this is a great i think alternate version it's a little faster and it's a little punkier so great way to open the show 
Mm-hmm. Track two, we got Bad Luck off of Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell. Uh, this is one of my favorites from Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell. Uh, and the guys really deliver on that blues here. Um, what do you think, Frank? Were, the, were you running for another beer before the band really got warmed up? Or were they already cooking out of the gate? Yeah, so the album version was great, but to me... I think this was even better. Like they moved up the chords a step, which gives it a brighter tone and it works. Uh, it's a little edgier too, which fits perfect with the way Ness is singing, which is totally on point and with authority. So, I mean, what a, what a one story of my life too. bad luck. <laughs> Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, so that's actually, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned that because here we get kind of an odd pick for track number three under my thumb off of white light, white heat, white trash. Uh, we go right for a Stones classic, right? We're doing a cover. Uh, I was surprised we got a cover really quite so soon in the set, but the band truly uses this as an opportunity to pay homage to the Rolling Stones. Uh, what do you think, Frank? Yeah, so this is one of my favorite Rolling Stones songs, l- mm-hmm. largely due to the introduction of, of it by this cover. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the entire rendition. Is it really, it's turned into a bona fide punk song. Now, to answer your question, the show we saw them live, I don't know if you mm-hmm. recall, where Lightning shorted out the amps. This was really on the set as well, and, and I would personally mm-hmm. be okay with it further down the set, uh, but I'd like to also note that I actually like the album version a little bit better. The, this one sounds a tad bare, and the guitars aren't blaring. But overall, it's a great cover. But like you said, Mark, I'd move that down in the set a little bit. Yeah. So we get track four, uh, Prison Bound off the album, Prison oh, Bound. Man. Yeah, Mike's intro for this one is, is kind of fun slash kind of cringy as he talks about more, more salad days and, uh, and how you couldn't just go to the mall and get your, um, your kitten pierced. Uh, and all the fights that they'd get into. And, you know, nice little modest wink as to his rankings in that fight club, you know. Kind of, yeah. kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> once we get into the song, though, we're off and rocking. I'm really feeling that that cowpunk vibe here, right? Um, how did Social D manage to cross that line and take us on with them, Frank? How, how did they do that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess we wouldn't, we can't, can't really know how they did that because maybe it, it, it just happened by natural talent. But one critique mm-hmm. I would say, if, and if you've gone to a social D show, Mike Ness does get a little chatty. That's just mm-hmm. me. Nevertheless, listen, Prison Bound is song. And the album uh, was pivotal to the cow punk sound that Social D was going for. They really bridged the aggression of punk with mm-hmm. pure Americana, and it's glorious. It's also fun to note that the live version, of course, is a little different than the studio version. The studio track has a longer intro and an acoustic guitar uh, playing the rhythm. I'm assuming that's Dennis playing that. Uh, the live version, as the chords moved up a step, a shorter intro, a shorter solo, uh, just a more overall rock feel. So again, you know, I think it's great that on you know recordings and albums, uh, you get these two different versions of a song that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. So I, I want to take a second as we get into track five, Mommy's Little Monster, off Mommy's Little Monster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things I love about Social Distortion is that they love naming albums after just a banging song right. on that album uh, that they know they're going to be able to crush it a show. That said, they totally crush this number. The tempo never drops. Never. The solos absolutely rip. Yes. Just kind of pure SoCal rock and roll. You get um, two girls, Frank. Uh, which one's the never mind? Um, uh, yeah, no, no, no. Frank's girls are lovely, neither one of them would is a monster. We're not, we're not what do you think of the number? 
Well, the question that you're going to ask, you know, the answer to that is whichever one gets to the teenagers first. Um, but Bummer. really, it, really, it's neither. And it's their, <laughs> it's their aunt who's the uh, mommy's little mm-hmm. monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah's little monster. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Anyway, <laughs> Nobody but us gets that joke. <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. But so awesome. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the song rips and it's amazing, I think, to hear it live during this time period, uh, which I prefer more than the studio uh, album because they grown so much from the recording of that studio uh, track. So uh, it's a great, great version. Uh, Ness's voice is on point. I love it. Yeah, well, we're moving right along. Track six, Mass Hysteria, off the mainliner comp, uh, a classic from Social D's quote-unquote hardcore beginnings. Uh, we're in a bit of an oldies rock block for the band. You dig in this little pocket of kind of old school, Frank? What, how do you feeling? Yeah, and and I am absolutely. Uh, it's a similar structure though to the next song, which which and I like that song a little better. However, mm-hmm. again, this album. Um, features these songs that I think has better versions of um, what what we heard off of uh, like things like Mayliner and Mommy's Little Monster. So again, it's really welcomed at this time in their career in 97 uh, to be playing these songs and for us to be hearing them. So I definitely dug it. 98. That's what I meant, 98. Yep. Uh, So track seven, as Frank mentioned, The Creeps, right? Or as Mike will tell you, The Motherfucking Creeps uh, off Mommy's Little Monster. Uh, I've always felt that this was an underrated number for Mommy's Little Monster. And to hear them really play it aggressively is still cool as hell. Uh, And it's just an absolute pleasure. Tell me, Frank, what gives you The Creeps? Well, uh, definitely the infamous scene in the movie Deliverance that always gives me The Creeps. Uh Uh, The robot. How often do you watch that? Mm. Not gonna, not gonna tell you how often. Oh no, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. The movie or that scene in particular. <laughs> you know what? It's fine. We'll let right, it go. go. The robot scene in Superman three. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gives me the creeps, and of course, uh, tuna fish. I can't stand it. Gives me the creeps. I, I yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing I have with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, listen, I love this tune and I think it's totally underrated. As you said, I love the tempo change that it gives the band knowing what they became. Right. Um, mm. I, I really don't think they could uh, sustain many songs at this speed, which is fun um, as this is becomes like almost a standout track because of uh, its change in tempo. So I'm with you, man. This is this is an underrated number. I, I, I think when we saw them again, Mark, uh, I think they either opened with this or it's like the second song. And mm-hmm. it, it's awesome. It rips. Yeah. Well, we're, we're sticking to or. Social distortion sticking to mommy's little monster. We get another state of mind here. Another, you know, quote unquote, old school classic. I remember watching the home video uh, of the same name and just absolutely hating the band, or at least Mike Ness um, <laughs> for, like, for like a month. And then I kind of got over myself. What would you think of the song, Frank? And, and would you think of that video? Yeah, I was pretty annoyed with them during that time frame as well. I could totally do without that whole portion of the film based on, you know, uh, the band's history, but the break was needed before they got to work on that prison bound out album. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad everything kind of worked out the way it is. However, this track again is an absolute classic. I think it's, it's better. Like when I want to listen to the song, I go to the live version of it. Um, and it's another one that I know it's a staple that they play live. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good song. It's a good song. So he had, he had something going there that Mike Ness, he should stick to the music and, uh, hopefully, you know, <laughs> not the cool. heroin. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so track nine, let oh, it be me off of social distortion. Frank, did you know that the self-titled album social distortion is the first album released without a track of the same name? 
Yo, I did not know that, nor <laughs> nor did I even think about that previously, Mark. So it's very interesting. Glad you brought it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, this track on the, um, the studio album actually is a little beefier to me, and it gives us kind of that rockabilly vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. The intro solo is a little bit longer, and you could actually hear the Let It Be Me chorus via backup vocals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's way more audible on the studio version than it is on the live version. I don't know why. Uh, however, though, it's, it's a great tune. It's... I mean, I, I like to tune a lot. There you go. We're on to track 10. No gain. No gain. Oh, man. Off of Prison Bound. That sounds like something you'd learn in prison. <laughs> so the album uh, Prison Bound was known for being uh, the album where we start to kind of see the country and blues rock sound. Um, but what is this sound? So cow, cow punk. Why is it so damn cool? What What is this? Why are we so drawn to this number, Frank? Yeah, you know, I actually wish we got more Prison Bound songs live uh, on this record or just in general. Um, the, the, you know, it's like grunge. The song meets slow punk meets SoCal punk meets cow punk. It's, it's very cool. And I think it's a very under the radar track in their catalog, uh, both the album version and this live version. Totally awesome. And, and yeah. I, th- I think why it's cool maybe is because it has all those elements that we really like in a song. So. Yeah. And to say something actually about the music for once, uh, this is a really cool opportunity for the band to kind of shift gears, right? We slow it down a little bit. We put in a really cool number. It gives them a little chance to kind of let the crowd breathe a little bit. Very cool. cool. Solo. Very cool. Solo. So, yeah. Uh, Anyways, moving on. Uh, Track 11, Cold Feelings, one of Frank's favorites uh, off of Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell. Um, You want to do it for me? Do you guys want to hear a happy song? (laughs) Is that what you want me to say? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, homie. We don't do no happy songs. It's so bad. <laughs> what, what an intro for a song. Thank you, Frank. Uh, that sentence really does an amazing job of, of summing uh, up the song lyrically, though, doesn't it? I mean, just kind of setting that mood, setting that tone. Um, and then we get a classic number, uh, or at least to you and me, it's definitely a classic. Yes. Sorry, I left you hanging there because I saw it. You're all good. It's in in the the wrong color. color. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Oh, man, we're so conditioned, aren't we? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Listen, this could be my favorite Social D song. Uh, The intro, I know we used to steal it, Mark, when we would play live in our band. Mm -hmm. And I'm totally okay with admitting that, by the way. Totally okay. Uh, This Mm -hmm. song's just awesome. The live version, the studio version, uh, when they played it slow and acoustic at the that time. Again, we saw them in Miami. Just a fantastic soul. It fills up song. It fills up your soul uh, when it's in need. So uh, one of my favorites. Absolutely. That that was um, that was the outside patio at Revolution in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, there was a rainstorm that blew out the PA. So they did. They did an acoustic set until the lightning started, and that's when they canceled it. That's show. when they canceled it. Absolutely. And, and Tiger, that's when we saw Tiger, Tiger Army. Tiger Army opened. Absolutely. Um, moving along. Uh, track 12, uh, Telling Them off them. of Mommy's Little Monster, another old school kind of hardcore tune uh, with cool tapping intro, right, Frank? Yes. Um, that builds into that kind of classic social D sound. Uh, this number is a great example for pushing their sound uh, by really really focusing, excuse me, on their harmonies. And I think they do a great job of that here. Perhaps this is one uh, of the kind of patient zero situations for all of those like woe parts that we've heard uh, from so many other bands and so many other songs over recent years where everyone's just woeing. Uh, this might be patient zero for punk rock, Frank. Um, 
what says you old Frankie D? Yeah. Um, obviously one of their more punky tunes and it's shredded with harmonies and it's really, you know, it has that angst and testing authority anthem that the band was going for back in the day. But again, like you said, threaded with those harmonies, I, I like the tune a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I even like how they positioned it in the set. Um, very good song. So I'm digging it, man. All right, Frank track 13. I was wrong. Oh, you heard, you heard it here, folks. You were wrong. Um, Not me. <laughs> off of White Lightning, White Heat, White Trash. Um, we get a little change of pace here with a slower tempo, straightforward kind of blues rock number. Uh, I love the changing the line uh, from self-destruction's got me again to social distortion. <laughs> got me again. I love that kind of interaction when a band can really play and like have fun with it. Um, just to give you you know, kind of a little wink of self-awareness, right? Mike Ness isn't taking himself so seriously, but he's also, he's including you in it, right? Um, I don't know, Frank, what do you think? Am I wrong? No, you're actually right as rain there, my friend. Did, did bingo, you see, bango. Did, did mm-hmm. you see what I did there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for all those wondering, because it's just that obviously it's, uh, uh, something that me and Mark are getting, please check out our face-to-face spotlight episode in the archives and you'll find out why I said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a song they were pushing at the time. This is the lead single, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. White Light, uh, White Heat, and White Trash. Um, it's a great track. I love hearing it live. Uh, I, again, it's it's it makes sense that this was obviously on the set list at the time. So uh, mm-hmm. good, good tune, my man, good tune. Absolutely. Track 14, 1945 wow. off of Mainliner. Uh, super old school with this political punk number uh, about dropping the atom bomb. Right. How, right. You don't hear social D saying about that stuff. No more. Uh, Frank, this is <laughs> this was uh, a style the band didn't stick with for long. Uh, did we miss out on a cool political band here? Or do you think we kind of got the best of what this band was able to do and their choice of driving straight off a cliff with the blues and country crossover? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think we should be lucky how they morphed into the band that they did. I think mm-hmm. I think going on the track um, of this song for albums and albums would have really hindered the band. And I think we got the best version that gives us the touch of punk, country, blues, Americana. And yes, even some political tunes like the next one, Mark. That's right. Don't drag me down, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> off of White Light, White Heat, White Trash. Uh, I fucking love this song. Oh. I don't know if you know that about me. Uh, they bring that kind of old school punk energy that we they, they were riding off in 1945, but we keep it super positive. We get our first look at the, the sound Mike Ness is working on for their next album that's to be released that hasn't come out yet. This, this song really foreshadows sex love and rock and roll so beautifully especially with this killer guitar solo we get here Mm. just a great rock and roll number with all the air marks um of a a great punk band frankie yeah Yeah, it's one of those tracks i remember trying to practice for hours on guitar and and Mm. then trying to get that solo down because i was like oh there's two solos in this song you know and it's so cool it's such a great uh, punk and rock sound uh, all into one and it hits you right in the face and it kicks you in the nuts simultaneously. It's freaking, <laughs> it's, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. Excellent. Excellent. So we're going back to the self-titled album here with ball and chain. At track we are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where we're going. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of seen this as the adult side of story of my life, maybe a little slower, a little more sure about himself, but still sad uh, and angsty as shit, you know? Uh, is that just me, Frank? 
No, I, I, I'm with you. I could totally see the song as a maturation of a uh, story of my life in the context of the person, right, growing. Uh, it's the band's attempt at Outlaw Country, and I know it's held in high regards with Ness as he actually had a different rendition, the Honky Tonk rendition on his solo uh, album, um, uh, the Under the Influences album. So I know this is always held in high regards from the band. Um, you know, it, it, it's a good tune, man. What can I say? Ball and chain. There you go. We're here at track 17, Ring wow. of Fire, Woo! off of, again, Social Distortion. Uh, we're at the closer, man. It, Mike, ne- Mike Ness, excuse me, dedicates this one to the ladies. Mm. Uh, then tells a fan who is uh, giving him the finger to take all 10 of those fingers and shove them up his butt. Uh, and the band launches into their cover of Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. Uh, they do a great job covering the song, and it feels right that they're playing it. But I have one real issue with this record, and, and it's going to be this. I don't like closing on a cover for a band like this. I, I get that they're probably see it as a tribute, but I, I think they're, they've got enough cool tunes uh, to close on, like Ball and Chain, or even Dear Lover, or The Untitled from White Lightning, White Heat, White yeah. Trash. Man, that, song, that album title is on. Uh, as both were great numbers to close the show with, but they didn't make it. What would you think of this choice, Frank? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't love the cover to close out the show. Uh, I'm cool with the tribute. In fact, you know, as I'm thinking about it, I think Mike Ness was one of the first ones in his arena of of the bands we would listen to to mention like like he legit was in love with Johnny Cash before mm-hmm. like the Cash movie came out and then the whole rest of the world wanted to jump on. So like I first heard of someone's a- a- admiration for for Cash through Mike Ness, you know, and then kind mm-hmm. of kind of went from there. But yeah, listen, you're right. I mean, I, something I would have loved as the closer as this was the album they were tur- touring for, right? White Light, White mm-hmm. Heat, White Trash. Uh, Dear Lover would have been great. Uh, when the Angels Sing, which was Ooh. another, which was another single after I was wrong. That totally could have been it. Um, great closer that would have been. Yeah, I mean, hell, even Crown of Thorns. I, I something, mm-hmm. something. So, yeah. so I'm with you. I'm with you. You got to play the Ring of Fire. I get it. Next to Story of My Life, it could be their their second most popular song. But move that up in the set put another closer on there and and then marked we would have our album <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well frank uh we go we get a little more chatter from the show as folks are kind of clearing out out of the club um how would you rate this against the times you've seen them uh all over yeah it's a great live album and one of the first that i sought out on my own when i was really kind of getting to that music of my own after Mm -hmm. uh, that mixtape I referenced earlier. Uh, I think it matches pretty well to the experience when you see them live. It matches the energy um, that you would witness when seeing them. Uh, I do go back and forth between some that I like the live versions and the studio versions better, but let's, let's be honest, you really can't go wrong uh, with this record. Uh, I do sometimes skip over, you know, nest yapping and, and wish there were more tracks though, from the white light, white heat, white, trash album again as this is the album they were touring for nevertheless i mean that's so small and insignificant in the grand scheme of what a classic live record this is and you know i'll be listening to it from this point on until for till forever so wow yeah yeah. this is definitely a, a great set of shows they collected into a live album and you can tell with how quickly they were able to turn around uh, that the band was really playing at, at probably the top of its game for the oh, lineup that we have here. Yeah. Um, the, the band's uh, comment um, to creating guitar driven or commitment, excuse me, to creating guitar driven rock that challenges uh, what the masses think uh, it should sound like. And uh, we're better for having this evidence uh, 
in front of us to be able to, to look back upon. Uh, I'm lucky enough to own this on vinyl. Uh, and I fully recommend if, if yes. they do a tour after all this COVID bullshit's done, you go see them. And I yes. can tell you, uh, I saw an ad for Welcome to Rockville in Gainesville. Yeah. And they'll be opening for Metallica soon. Yeah. Excuse oh, my me. God. Daytona, not Gainesville. Daytona. Yeah, yeah, yep. totally. I mean, Mark, you couldn't, have, you couldn't have been more accurate with that statement. Anytime they roll around, see them live. You won't regret mm-hmm. it. It's rock and roll and all those other things that are influences that we all love all meshed into one. So fantastic so well mark we thought it would be fun uh this week uh since we're uh, if we put together the official check out this record social distortion album rankings my friend mm-hmm. oh yeah so um that's right we're, we're including mainliner but not the live at the roxy we just covered um for the best of albums so eight albums all together franklin uh why don't you kick us off with number eight Yes, absolutely. So number eight, and this was our personal list. Everyone's going to have their own lists here and, mm-hmm. and we'll get you know some comments real quick uh, from both of us. But number eight, Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes. Um, this album is shit. It, mm-hmm. it, it's so bad. And I hate that we've waited so long between sex, love and rock and roll and this. Uh, the songs, they're so stock and the lyrics like put the pedal to the metal. They're really corny and embarrassing. Musically, it's predictable. And the only one actually musically I like was Machine Gun Blues, but it's full of all these 20, 1920s and 30s gangster cliches. Uh, the album's bad and it's heartbreaking as we do love like 90% of what the band does. Mark, quickly, you, you agree with me on that one? I, I do. Exactly. <laughs> um I, I think with the exception of this one here, uh, Mainliner at number seven for our, our list. Right. Um, I think everything's going to be positive after this. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. And I don't really have much negative to say about Mainliner. This was the comp which they, they used to take all the little EPs and things that they had before they were able to put a record together. They compiled it and put it together. So you get a great look at that old school sound before yes. Ness went to rehab. Uh, as the band was figuring out what it is they wanted, but it's all hardcore. There's almost no cow punk in it. It's a really interesting look at the band's origins, but when you're stacking it against the albums that they were able to put together, yeah, it just doesn't compete because they, they hadn't figured out who they were and that's not a bad thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the same goes with the next one, which is number six, mommy's little monster. Listen for a debut album. Not bad at all. I mean, at, at all knowing what they would become though um makes sense and and as to why this is positioned where it is and of course we do have some classics like the creeps hello another state of mind telling them and mommy's little monster so i mean think of those four songs alone i, I mean that's just a great album right there so mark this is definitely not a bad album at all no definitely not. our next one's a, a great album it's uh, at number five social distortions self-titled album Social Distortion. It was their third album they released in 1990, or the third album they released, released in 1990. Um, you know, we get some great tunes so far away. Let It Be Me, Story of My Life, uh, the Ring and Fire cover, Ring of Fire covers on it, excuse me, uh, Ball and Chain, It Could Have Been Me, She's a Knockout, which is one oh, of my personal yeah. favorites, right? Dude, totally. This is just a great album. It's it's pretty straightforward rock and roll yet. They're, we haven't fully crossed that line into the cowpunk, but we're not doing the hardcore sound either. It's certainly more rock and roll focused, more of that SoCal sound uh, is what I think Mike Ness would probably say. But yeah, number five, Social Distortion, Social Distortion. Great album. And that first mm-hmm. track, So Far Away, is such an, under, an underrated gem. For and them. a great way to open a record, man. Whew. 
Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Number four is Prison Bound. Uh, listen, if the self-titled, the, the album you were just mentioning, Mark, pressed down on what they were doing, uh, this started it. This laid the groundwork for incorporating that uh, American country, Americana sounds. Um, the track listing is underrated. You get like indulgence, like an outlaw, lawless. Uh, they're all the tunes I would actually love to hear them perform now. Plus, it's the first of two Rolling Stones they would cover. And at the time, I found it fascinating, Mark, that a punk band would focus on uh, Rolling Stone covers. Uh, I, I just, at the time, I just didn't put them two together. Um, listen, this album rocks, and I actually would love a re-recording of it. I would love to hear how these songs would sound in 2021 right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that'd be so interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, the next album we have is the longest title necessary. Uh, although your, yours might be a little longer. White Light, White Heat, White Trash. Um, this album is so awesome. I oh. love the rock and roll twist they put on it. From everything that you heard Frank and I talk about, Dear Lover, Don't Drag Me Down, the untitled song, I Was Wrong, Through These Eyes, Down on the World, As Angel Sings, one of those great songs Frank said, man, I would have loved to hear that as the closer, right? Um Crown of Thorns is another one. I really like Pleasure Seeker. Uh, Down Here with the Rest of Us. What a killer tune. And then, of course, it closes with Under My Thumb, right? And you really get that feel. You can tell, man, these guys are really kicking in hard to that rock and roll sound and, and paying homage to the Stones. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that they went back to that sound and modernized it for 96 uh, after albums of... Um, you know, the self-titled and the one I'm going to talk about next, really impressive. And the one I'm going to talk about next is somewhere between heaven and hell. Listen, mm. you see that album cover and you're just like, who is this guy uh, who looks like a greaser jumping with the Les Paul? He's the coolest guy I've ever seen. I freaking love that cover. Uh, Cold Felix, Bad Luck, Making Believe, Born to Lose, Bye Bye Baby, When She Begins, King of Fools, Sometimes I Do. Uh, it More probably, believe it or not, the most country-influenced, I think, album that really mm -hmm. meshes that punk yeah. and cow punk. Fantastic record. Um, man, That's that, that one just hits home, man. It's so good. Yeah, I, I absolutely love how bluesy that record is. It's just oh. fantastic. And then we're at number one, Frank. And this is really kind of an interesting thing for us, right? I, I our, think so. Our number one pick is Sex, Love, and Rock and Roll, right? Which is yeah. weird because the last place pick, uh, the album we think is their worst, was their last album, the, the, the last to be released. And this album was released two years before, not two years before, excuse me, uh, a few years beforehand. But we're talking a direct connection. You know, really, you look at Sex, Love, and Rock and Roll, and the band, um, we have to add a new guitarist, right? And here's where we get uh, Johnny Two Bags. Johnny uh, Two Bags. Johnny Two Bags on the rhythm guitar. Uh, and the band is really revitalized, really going hard at that rock and roll sound. Um, and we get some of their absolute best work. Reach for the Sky, oh. Highway 101, Don't Take Me for Granted, Footprints on My on Ceiling. On My Ceiling. Yeah. I wasn't born to follow winners and losers faithless uh, live before you die and nickels and dimes nickels and dimes is fantastic. Close that album out with angels wings. Yeah. It's just perfect. A little spiritual, but in that fun rock and roll kind of iconic way, you feel Elvis in this, you feel the stones in this, you just get a little of everything. So it's kind of interesting that you get this really fantastic album. And then just a couple of years later, you're so excited about this next one. You just hear that title. Hmm. <sighs> Hard yeah. times and nursery rhymes. And yeah, he went hard on those nursery rhymes, didn't he, Frank? Yeah, to, oh, without, a, <laughs> without a doubt. And I remember when Sex, Love, and Rock and Roll came out, and we were expecting, of course, a, a good 
social D album, right? Because we just, yeah. I mean, not that we just had White Light, White Heat, but that was the last album. So we're like, okay, we're going to get a good social D album. And I remember distinctively, me and you, Mark, were just blown away as to how yeah. good it was. Where just jaws could, on the floor. Jaws on the floor. I mean, from the starter, Reach reach for the Sky, to the closer, Angel's Wings. Not a bad track on there at all. Uh, it, it just really hit us at a great time. Uh, we saw them. That was the show that, for for what they were touring for at the time where the lightning shorted it out so uh i remember we got to see some tracks from there but again this is is i feel and i know mark agrees with me this is the this is the best record so Mm -hmm. uh, boy oh boy mark uh that list i'm sure is gonna cause us as always to get in trouble over the old internet don't you think Mm -hmm. yeah they're gonna be bleeping and blooping all their bang 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 bang, you know get their modems real fired up there (laughs) (laughs) the ranking of social d albums on the the internet is definitely a hot button topic um in these extraordinary times we live in um tell me frank what kind of gossip and or slander can our fans expect from us next week yeah so here we go mark we're gonna look at a period for a band (laughs) that i feel represents their pinnacle uh that period is the year years excuse me 1998 to 2001 Mm-hmm. And that band is MXPX. So oh. what we're going to look at is, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to look at Marcus, uh, the releases during this time frame, just because mm-hmm. again, I feel it, it's their best, um, such as the studio album, slowly going the way of the Buffalo, uh, the B-sides album, let it happen live record at the show, the studio album, the ever passing moments and EPs, the broken bones and the Renaissance EP. So I'm stoked to go back to this period. And of course, to get Mark's uh, thoughts on it. So uh, Mark, I'm, I'm kind of vamped that we're kind of t- taking a period piece here. What about you? I'll say what I always say, Frank. Oh my, my. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> oh, bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.